Awesome, awesome. Well, hey guys, welcome to week two of this series we've been going through called Voicing Our Emotions. Um, if you were joining us last week, if you didn't, please catch up because it was really good. Uh, but we've been going through the book of Psalms and kind of looking at them to how they kind of help us interpret our emotions, our feelings, what we can do with these things. Um, and Joel, last week, he said this idea that I think is really good that I've thought about multiple times. And so throw this up. Honest relationships are healthy relationships, right? Like, I don't know about you. Sometimes, like, honestly, you're like, I don't know, do I really want them to be honest? But at the end of the day, yes, right? We want the people in our lives, the people that we know, our kids, our family members, our, you know, spouse, whoever, coworkers, we want them to be honest with us so we actually know where we stand with them or to be able to help them through different things. And in the same way, that also turns towards our Heavenly Father, right? To kind of have like this honest relationship with God is how we can have our healthiest relationship with God. Uh, but sometimes, I don't know about how you, where you guys land with this today, but I think there's kind of been like the way at least I've been growing up, there's almost like this American mindset where it's either all or nothing, right? Where it feels like either emotions are everything or emotions are nothing. Right? It's almost like these two half-truths that you can either be all in or all out. Um, and I think depending on who you are, you kind of maybe fall into one of these two categories, right? Or maybe you go back and forth depending on the situation. Maybe you're here and you're like, you're in the feelings are everything. Emotions are everything category, right? You're like, you grew up on Disney movies. They're just like, go follow your heart. It doesn't matter what everybody else says. Just go do whatever your heart tells you to do. I don't know. My heart tells me to do some real dumb things sometimes, right? Or... Maybe like your life song is the 1997 classic hit from the Backstreet Boys, As Long As You Love Me, where this is the line, I don't care who you are, where you're from, what you did, as long as you love me. Like that is some full on just being in the fields, right? I don't care about anything else about you. As long as you love me, that's all I need. Um, or sometimes, maybe you're like me, where like sometimes I'm like, ah, I don't know about the whole feelings thing, but it's okay for you to feel that way, right? Where it's almost like it's okay for other people to feel their feels. You're like, girl, you feel your feels, right? But we're not really feeling that for us because I think if we're honest, some, some of us, like we kind of grew up on this other side where feelings are nothing, right? Where it almost feels like feelings are like this weakness, that they're like kind of almost like something you have to push through to get to like actually do real work or to do real things. Um, and I don't know, maybe um, one of the th questions that I ask a lot that I know every time I ask it, it's showing me that feelings are nothing. That's how I really feel sometimes um, is when I ask my family, like, why are you still feeling like this? Like sometimes like whether I mess up as like uh, as a dad or a husband or even with friends, we're like, I have to like apologize. I'm like, I'm so bad. I'm, I messed up. I'm sorry. And then if they're not like instantly happy and like, all right, let's go have a great time. I'm like, oh my gosh, why are you, you're still sad about this five minutes later? I just apologize, right? Like that is 100% like a sign if you ask that question that you might be a little bit more in the feelings are nothing camp. Um, and I think sometimes when we do that, there's like two different ways that we can kind of handle those situations. The first time, first way is sometimes we just ignore it, right? We just kind of block out those feelings. Uh, maybe you're really good at just kind of blocking out in your mind, but at least for me, I think more often than not, we kind of find our ways, find ways to entertain ourselves, whether that's like through Netflix, through music, through podcasts, video games, whatever it is, we're really good at finding other things to kind of take our mind off of what we're really feeling. 
Um, I've tried really hard to be better about this as a parent, but I'm going to be honest. Uh, when my kids get hurt or like whether emotionally, physically, whatever, like my first reaction isn't like, oh man, just sit in your fields and just be sad right now. No, most of the time I'm like, hey, do you want some ice cream? Hey, 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 let me tell you a funny joke. Let's go do something really fun, right? I instantly try to go into like, hey, let's not really feel about the fields. Let's just go into the happy times, right? And kind of sweep it under the rug. I'm still growing. It's still my default, right? I think the other thing that we kind of do to ignore it sometimes is just numb ourselves, right? Whether it's with drugs or alcohol. Sometimes we're just like, you know what? I don't want to feel that feel anymore. I don't know how to process it. I don't want to deal with it. So I'm just going to move on and just feel something else or feel nothing. Um, or maybe you're here and you've grown up in the church. And I think one of the other ways that we kind of get to the feelings or nothing place is by this term that I actually just learned this week that helps me, to be honest, explain and understand so much of some of the culture that can sometimes be around church is this idea of spiritual bypassing. That sometimes, like when we're going through things and we're feeling emotions, instead of actually dealing with them, we kind of just use a Jesus juke and kind of just pull like, oh, it, but it's okay because I have God, right? Like sometimes it can be like you're feeling really, really sad or you're feeling down on a certain day. And like either you tell yourself this or maybe someone else tells you this. We're like, you know what? Why are you so sad? You, you got all these blessings from God. God has given you so much. Why would you feel that way, right? Or like maybe you're struggling with like some forgiveness with somebody and, and you're you're kind of like someone's either even told you this or you've said it to yourself. You're like, you know what? I should be able to forgive this person so easy because God has forgiven me. And like, there's part of it, like, I know I say that a little sarcastically because those, both those things are true, but that doesn't always instantly take away the emotions that we're feeling in that moment, right? Um, and sometimes maybe you've even grown up in the church and that's part of like why you don't want to be a part of church. You're kind of questioning your, your faith because you're like, you know what? It kind of just feels like you just use this whole faith thing to kind of just cover up how you're really feeling, to kind of put a mask on everything. Um, for me, like this has been a big part of my journey because uh, I don't want to say that I've done this before, but I have absolutely done this to myself, even as someone just as a few years ago. Um, I had all these different things kind of all come crashing down um, at the same time, I had, um, I was a part of a church for like the, uh, more than half my life um, that I was, uh, as, had served at, just been a part of, it also had worked at for years. And then um, kind of before I was really ready, like that church ended up merging into another church. And so uh, not to say like the new thing isn't great and amazing, but it just wasn't what I needed in that moment. Um, and so all of a sudden, like this community of people that I had kind of processed my life with and kind of had, wasn't ready to leave yet, all of a sudden had completely kind of got upended and changed out of nowhere. And I didn't know how to process that. And then at the same time, uh, my parents started going through a divorce, um, which again, I was a little bit older. So like I was ready to kind of be able to process a, a little bit more, but kind of for me, like the weight that I felt was like for my kids and like how they were gonna like holidays and like how family functions were gonna be different. And like some things just weren't gonna be the same as they were before, right? Um, and then this other one, which I almost didn't bring up because I know it instantly makes me sound like a monster. Um, but like um, me and my wife, right around that same time, um, we had uh, two boys that are amazing. And we literally had decided, you know what? 
Four is a good number for our family. We are perfect at this number. And then not a joke, within a week, found out there was a fifth one on the way. Um, and like, I'll be honest, like, I know kids are a blessing. That was not the first thought I had when I found out that my wife was pregnant, right? I was not celebrating the Lord in that moment. Um, I was really struggling because I was like, oh, man, this is going to take away time from the kids. We have to restart this whole parent thing. We got to go back to, you know, baby stages. It was kind of throwing me off. And don't get me wrong. My daughter's amazing. She's great. If you meet her, she's a delight. But doesn't mean that it doesn't change some of the expectations that I had. And so much of all these different things all hitting me at once, instead of actually just dealing with it, instantly I turned into like, oh, but like, I got Jesus. Like, I'm a mature Christian. I work at a church. Like, I got a strong faith, right? And almost kind of just pushed off all those things and didn't really deal with them because I instantly was like, you know what? My faith is strong. I got Jesus. I don't need anything else make all these emotions so complicated. And there's one more thing that I think can make our emotions kind of feel complicated at times. And if you haven't already watched this movie, Disney, Pixar's Inside Out, it's 100% homework for this series. Um, but if you have watched it, you probably already forgot the lesson you were supposed to learn at the end. And that is that there are not good and bad emotions, right? Like sometimes I think we kind of fall into this place where we think of, oh, we just have good emotions that are like, that's excitement, that's happiness, that's joyfulness, that's hope. Those things are the things I want to feel, right? Like some of you are like, you know what? I really believe in St. Pharrell Williams when he said, clap along if you feel like happiness is the truth. That's my life song. Let's go, right? You're like, I want to feel that all the time. But we can also fall where we think like bad emotions are like things like sadness and anger, right? And thankfully for me, I don't got to talk about anger. That's in a future week. So go ahead, stay tuned for that. Um, but maybe unfortunately, depending on how you're feeling right now, um, is that we are going to be talking about sadness and heartbreak today. Um, so what I want to kind of ask you as we kind of jump in this morning is what do you do with your emotions? Like, are you more of like the feelings or everything and just full on, or are you more in the feelings are nothing and they're just a kind of an inconvenience that get in your way? So as you process that, um, this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at um, just a little snippet of the life of King David. If you grew up in church, maybe you already have an idea of who this guy is. Um, I know, at least for me, like when I think of King David, I generally only think of mostly really good things, right? I think of like, this dude was a king. He like slayed the giant Goliath, which carried around his head, which sounds crazy. Um, uh, he won all kinds of military battles. He had the whole Bathsheba thing, but you're like, all right, he had mostly an awesome life, made a huge mistake, and then mostly really an awesome life, right? At least that's my general thought. That's not really how his life played out. He actually had all kinds of lows in his life. I want to just go, just highlight just a couple real quick. First um, Samuel 19, 11, um, we have King Saul, uh, before David was king, uh, tried to kill him because he kind of started to get jealous of uh, David and the power that he had. And then his own uh, wife, David's wife, ended up helping him escape. And then also they kind of got into a really bad place in their whole relationship, right? Second Samuel 1, 26, David's best friend dies in battle. Second Samuel 12, 19, David's infant son dies after he prayed and fasted for mercy. Second Samuel 15, 10, David's adult son Absalom basically leads this big rebellion to kind of kick him out of the throne and tries to kill him. He has to be on the run from his own son. 
all of a sudden, I don't know about you, David's life doesn't look that pretty anymore, right? Instead of just feeling like it's all ups, one down, and then a whole bunch of ups, it kind of just feels like more like our own lives, right? There's a lot more up and down and up and down, and we see that David was human, right? Like he had the highest of highs, and he had the lowest of lows, all of a sudden we see that there were doubts, there were fears, there was pain, there was tears, there was hurt, there was betrayal. Like David had to process all those things. And like the true artist that he is and was, he expressed so much of it through songs. Um, and so that's why through this series, we are looking at the book of Psalms. Um, and there's like different kind of different classifications of different types of Psalms, depending on if they're happy, you know, excited, scared, whatever. Um, we looked at wisdom ones last week. Uh, this week, we are going to be looking at Psalms of Lament, kind of like Psalms of sorrow, Psalms of mourning, Psalms of sadness. Um, and I know as soon as I said that, it almost feels like a Debbie Downer moment. You're like, wah, 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 who killed the party? Who brought this guy, right? But I think these are really important for us to look at because of the book of Psalms, one third of them, the biggest group, is these Psalms of lament. Like, what does it say about our Bible? What does it say about our God that these Psalms of sadness are so much of what we read and so much of what we see David processing through? Um, Martin Luther, uh, one of our Protestant reformers, the main guy, but there's other guys important too. Um, he said, when they speak, he's talking about the Psalms of lament. He said, when they speak of fear and hope, they use such words that no painter could so depict for your fear or hope, and no Cicero or any other order has betrayed them, and that they speak these words to God and with God. This, I repeat, is the best thing of all. This gives the words double earnestness and life. I love that. He says that these things that we're speaking out to God makes it so like they actually mean more than what they normally mean, right? It's really easy to praise God and celebrate God when everything's going good, but he says even on your darkest days, the things that like are the thing that maybe the pain that you're going through, the hurt, whatever that looks like. When we speak out to God in those moments, it means almost double because of what you are having to process and what you are having to go through in that moment. He says to God and with God, God is with you as you are speaking these words. And so I just want to kind of give us like a quick drive-by little sampling of some of these Psalms of lament, just to kind of get like a feel for kind of like the language that they're going to be using. Some of the, because um, I think sometimes it almost feels like these are so much stronger than you would even be comfortable with someone reading in church. Let's go. Uh, Psalm 88. I am considered as one of those plummeting into the pit. I am like those who are beyond help. Drifting among the dead, lying in the grave, like dead bodies, those you don't remember anymore, those who are cut off from your power. Let's go to the next one, Psalm 13. How long will you forget me, Lord? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I be left to my own wits, agony filling my heart daily? How long will my enemies keep defeating me? You feel like the exhaustion as he's writing that. Last one. It says, my tears have been my food both day and night. If that's not the most teenage thing you've ever heard in your entire life, 
you're, you're lying to yourself, right? My tears have been my food both day and night as people constantly question me, where is your God now? Like the emotions that we see in the book of Psalms, they put like Taylor Swift, My Chemical Romance, Simon and Garfunkel, whoever you want to listen to, to shame, right? Because the emotions are just so high. But what's beautiful about these Psalms of lament is that they show us that you can cry out to God, that you can share your deepest pain with God, that you can grieve the darkness. We can grieve the sad things in our lives with God and that you have this savior that you can trust. I think so often, and maybe this is part of it, just being in the Midwest, it's almost like we've kind of put on this mask before God, right? Like almost like, oh yeah, God, I'll give you a little bit of how I'm feeling, but I'm not gonna really give you everything that I'm feeling. Like I'll talk to you like I talk to you, God, but I'm not gonna talk to you like the way that I talk to like my spouse or like my, my, my best friend, like when we're in a real strong fight, right? Or even when I'm just telling them the truth, right? I'm not gonna give you the full truth of how I'm feeling, God. Like what does that say about what we believe about God if we feel like we have to hide our emotions from him? Like for some of us, um, I think a bigger question that we need to ask ourselves is like, isn't worship one of the ways that we get to experience God? And if God created like emotions, if God put those in us, isn't worship one of the ways, like when we experience our emotions, isn't that a way that we can worship God? Instead of just hiding those things, it's almost like there's this amazing way that we can experience God that we kind of keep just pushing down going, ah, God, I'll take a lot of you. I don't want that much of you. It's almost like we kind of start to build this wall. I always think of maybe uh, if you know a teenager, they definitely are going to do this. Maybe it's a spouse or a close friend where like you maybe kind of go through a conflict or maybe something else completely unrelated to you is happening. And you ask them like, how are you doing? And they go, everything's fine. And you can tell like everything's not fine, right? But they're just not going to talk about it. Like when those moments happen, it's almost like they're building this wall between you and them. Like you can be close, but there's still kind of something in between you. And don't get me wrong, like there are plenty of moments in our life where sometimes we just need to pause and reflect and you just kind of need that time to kind of figure out how you're feeling and then you're ready to talk about it, right? Um, but at least for me, most of the time, it kind of feels like those moments happen and that we just never really go back to that moment. It instead just feels like more and more bricks are kind of just put in that relationship. We never really get to end up talking about those things. And so often, this is what we do with God, where we just build this wall. We're like, God, you can have part of who I am. I'm not going to give you all of who I am. But part of it is that to be able to experience true joy and happiness on the other side of heartbreak, on the other side of sadness, is that you actually have to go through those things to really get there. Or else it's just almost like a kind of like a shadow part of like how good your happiness can be. Um, this is probably a silly example, but this is the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about this. Um, I'm a big fan of the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Hopefully you already know what this is. Um, if you're not, it's, it's silly superhero movies. Um, but like part of um, what for me got me so connected is like they had this big giant story arc that was going over for multiple movies, right? And it all kind of came to a head on this uh, movie that came out a handful of years ago called Endgame. And I remember like I was stoked. I watched it in theaters at least twice, which I almost never do. Um, and like, I just remember being so excited and everyone I had talked to that had watched all these movies, it felt like so cathartic. It felt like this amazing release of like all these character arcs are all closing, it felt great. 
I also knew a bunch of people because of all the hype of the movie that went and watched it, even though they hadn't seen any other movies in the whole thing. And so they're just kind of picking up on like little bits of things. And they were like, ah, I mean, I guess it was all right, right? Like they just kind of felt like it was an okay movie, but it's because they weren't invested, right? They didn't do the work to kind of get through to the other side. And so this movie that could have been amazing, which you should totally see it, it's amazing. um, All of a sudden became less good for them. And that's the same way for our happiness, for our feelings, right? When we just kind of ignore the sad parts or the hard parts and just jump straight to the happiness, Let's be honest, that's not real happiness. It might be a shadow of happiness, but it's not the true happiness that you could really have on the other side when you process through those things. Um, Dr. Allison Cook says this so much more eloquently than I ever could. This is what she says. You can't heal what you don't acknowledge. You can't transform what you've pretended doesn't exist. How often do we just kind of pretend and act like things aren't really bothering us when really they're actually taking up all of our mind space? So what I want to do for the rest of our time is I just want to kind of break down, I'm going to go through a psalm um, uh, that David wrote. Again, David wrote a good chunk of the psalms. He didn't write all of them. Um, and some of the psalms of lament are just really sad, and we don't know exactly when they happen. Some of them we have like certain life moments that we can connect them towards. Um, I generally always like those a lot because I like to know like what was going on in his life. Um, and so this, actual, this psalm was actually written as his son Absalom had taken over the throne. David is on the run. He's hiding in a cave, and then he writes out the words that we're going to look at. Let's check this out. He says, I cry out loud for help from the Lord. I beg out loud for mercy from the Lord. I pour out my concerns before God. I announce my distress to him. Like, I don't know about you guys, even just reading that, like you can feel like kind of like how desperate he is, right? Like he's not going like, God, when you get to this, like, no, he's like, God, I need this right now. Like he is out yelling, screaming this. It's almost like he's focused on where his help comes from. And isn't this so much different than how we normally pray on a daily basis, right? Like so often it's just like, God, help me through the day. Help me with like maybe these couple things. And man, if you could heal this person, that'd be great. Um, and, or if you could help me with this, this meeting that I got coming on, that'd be great. And that's it, right? Like, if we came here and every week, like, someone was crying out in their prayers, you'd probably be like, I don't know if I want to be there, because that is real intense all the time, right? But that is the model of prayer that David gives us, that when he is feeling his feels right now, he goes right into, I'm just going to bring this exactly to God, exactly how I'm feeling right now. Then he continues. He says, when my spirit is weak inside me, you still know my way. But they've hidden a trap for me in the path I'm taking. Look right beside me. See, no one pays attention to me. There's no escape for me. No one cares about my life. Now, I think uh, what's interesting, at least for me, when I read this passage, that line on the second, I guess the second line where he says, you still know my way, it kind of almost feels like it frames the rest of them, right? Because he mentions these other three things that he's bringing to him right then, right? He says, my spirit is weak. He's saying, God, I'm exhausted. I don't know what to do. I need your help. He says, there's a hidden trap 
which is obviously him kind of talking about like maybe whether it's like an actual literal trap or just kind of unsure or danger around him. And then he even says like, no one cares about my life. Like you can just feel how painfully he alone that he is feeling in this moment. And again, in all three of those, he can go back to, but you still know my way. You still know, I can look to you, God. You're going to be with me through this. He continues in verse 5. He says, I cry to you, Lord, for help. You are my refuge. I say, you are all I have in the land of the living. Like these verses kind of echo again some of the things he's already been saying. When I think of a refuge, I think of like a shelter, right? Bob Dylan, like the famous like shelter from the storm, one of his greatest songs ever. Sorry if there's not a lot of Bob Dylan fans in here. I am, so I'm going to make you listen to it, right? Later. Um, but like you, <laughs> you are my refuge. Like when I think of a refuge, when I think of shelter, I'm thinking of like, like rain just pouring down and like just like a roof over my head or like an umbrella or like maybe a, a place that I can go to kind of protect myself in that moment. Or maybe you think of like a lighthouse or like a ship like out at sea with like crazy waves. Like he was like, this is all I have. You are my refuge in this moment. I have nothing else but you. I'm only making it because of you. And he continues. He says, pay close attention to my shouting because I've been brought down so low. Deliver me from my oppressors because they're stronger than me. He's like, God, I'm not enough, right? Like, I'm not going to say like, hey, I kind of need your help. No, you are everything I got right now. I can't do this on my own. I am not enough by myself. You are what I need right now. And he closes out this psalm, this last part. He says, get me out of this prison so I can give thanks to your name. Then the righteousness will gather, or the righteous will gather around me because of your good deeds to me. And I think sometimes like those little words, like then and because, we can kind of like just read over and be like, oh, this isn't the important part. But really those are kind of linking the rest of it all together. He's saying like, get me out of this prison so I can give thanks to your name. When that happens, then the righteous will gather around me. People will be able to support me, be around me. And then because of your good deeds to me, not because of what David did, not because of David's strength. He says, no, 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 God, because of what you did, I will be able to do this. And I love this because this is not generally what we think of when we think about prayer, is it? Like David isn't cleaning anything up here. David is going at God and he is being so honest and raw and emotional and just laying it all out there. Not going, God, please help me in this. He's like, God, I need you right now. I am in trouble. I need you. It's so raw. And so for us, what do we do with a psalm like this? How do we kind of process maybe some of our emotions? How do we, where do we go from here to be able to pray like this? Um, I think there's three different things that we can do. Um, and the first one is just simply this, focus on the emotion. Like focus on the emotion that you're feeling. Like, again, I know we kind of already said this, but like God made us to have emotion. So to deny emotions that we're feeling, really what we're doing is denying being human, right? We're denying what God put inside of us. We're denying some of the worship that we could give him. And for some of you, you're like, 
this is the easiest thing. I know all the feels I'm feeling, right? Some of you, this comes super naturally to you. Well, I didn't mean supernaturally, but yeah, for some of you, you're like, I got supernatural powers. I know how I'm feeling all the time. Um, I remember uh, when my boys were super young, um, they were like jumping on a trampoline, hanging out with some friends. There was, you know, two boys and a girl. And at one point, they were trying to figure out what game they wanted to play next. And the girl said, um, how about we just lay down and just uh, feel our emotions? <laughs> and like both the boys were like, eh, wrong. Like they were absolutely not having that. But some of you, you maybe are like, actually, that does sound like a great afternoon. I would love to play that game, right? Some of you already, this comes so naturally, you don't have to work on this as much. Um, maybe some of you are more like me, where that does not come naturally to me. Like I try as hard as I can to not let the intrusive thoughts win, right? Like I try really hard to block out some of the thoughts that I've had or some of the emotions that I'm having to deal with to the point where sometimes I can be angry, sad, mad for some sometimes weeks and not even know that's what I'm feeling, right? Like I just kind of don't take the time to process those. And so we have to make space to kind of do this. We can't just go like, all right, I'm just going to do this more, right? We actually have to create time in our schedules to do this. Um, I've, I like to run a lot, which I know makes me weird. Um, but one of the things that I normally like to do when I run is I always have headphones in so I can listen to music, podcasts. It's like my weird way to still be productive when I'm trying to be productive. Um, feel like I'm not just running just to run kind of thing. Um, and I remember like six months ago, um, I couldn't find my headphones. And I was like, I was tearing the house up, upside down, flipping it over, whatever. That was, that was a weird saying. Um, but like to try to find my headphones, and I couldn't find them. To the point where like I had already gotten up, I was all dressed and ready to go, and I just couldn't find these headphones. I almost chose to not run. But at the last minute, I was like, all right, I guess I just got to listen to my own gross breathing while I'm running and just do that thing, right? Um, and so I did it. And um, it was a great run, not because I was going fast. Um, it was a great run because, like, I processed and had so much thought to just, like, I ran for however long to, like, I thought through multiple decisions about, like, things I need to do at work all of a sudden. I was like, oh, yeah, I got those things down. And, like, didn't even intend to, but, like, had, like, certain feelings and emotions that started popping up. I didn't even know what I was feeling. And all of a sudden, I was kind of thinking through and processing those things. To the point where now, like at least twice a week, I try to run without my headphones, not with like a prompt of like, all right, this is my emotions run, right? Like this is where we're going. Just because like just having that space of not having something always in front of me has helped me to kind of figure out like some of those things kind of just incidentally in my life to help me process some of those things. So for you, like what are those things? What is that time during your day that you're going to make space to just feel how you're feeling. And it doesn't have to have like this giant agenda of, all right, this is my emotions time. But like when you're gonna just have some time to slow down and just be a human. Maybe for you, a great way to do that is like in the car. Like I tried to do this for years where I tried to always um, just turn off music while I was in the car so I could just feel my feels um, or just feel, you know, not have everything going all the time. But then I just ended up singing songs <laughs> that I wanted to be listening to. So uh, maybe that's not, it didn't work for me. Maybe that works for you, whatever it looks like. Find that place, find that way that you can slow down and actually feel your feeling. Um, and the other side of this is like, maybe if you're like, I still can't do it. Maybe for you, one of the best things you can do is actually just sign up and start going to counseling. When I had all those things kind of come crashing down years ago, um, I remember my wife, one of the first things she said is like, hey, this is a lot for you to handle right now. You should probably go talk to a counselor. And again, my instant reaction was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. My faith is strong. I just need Jesus. I don't need a counselor, right? 
And then after like six months of just feeling like this thing was kind of just weighing on me, I finally said, all right, maybe you know some things on occasion and I'm going to just do what you told me to do. And it instantly like started as I worked on it, I kept feeling lighter and lighter and felt like something I could figure out. And so maybe for you guys, maybe counseling is that next step to help you start to feel those emotions. Second thing is extend compassion to yourself and to others. Like sometimes like we are some of our worst enemies on this, right? Where we feel those feels and we're like, I can't believe I'm feeling so weak right now. I can't believe I'm feeling these emotions. But no, give yourself compassion. It's okay to feel the way that you're feeling. We aren't robots. We weren't made to have no feelings. And the other side of that is sometimes there, and I've been guilty of this so many times, where somebody has told me about something going on in their life, and I'm like, oh, man, that is unfortunate for you, and, like, I'll pray you up, and then I don't really do anything about it. And, like, sometimes um, I'm sure those people have other people in their life that are helping them process and go through that, and other times I'm sure they probably didn't, and I could have been with them in that and helped them process that, and instead I kind of just, you know, moved on to whatever was my next thing. Um, my daughter, she does this really cute thing that I never want her to stop doing it, but I know it's probably coming sooner than later where she'll stop doing it. But like when she's waiting for something, like sometimes it's like she's waiting for someone to show up at her house, or maybe she's like waiting to go somewhere. She'll just have the windows drawn and she'll be looking out and she knows that she just has to wait. And she'll say, daddy, will you help me wait? And she'll literally just have me like, sometimes I'm sitting next to her. Sometimes she's sitting on my lap and she just knows there's something about me just being there. Even though I'm not doing anything to make anything go faster, right? That there's something about our presence that just helps her feel better. And sometimes that's true for the people in our lives that our presence just helps them. Even in the darkest times, even when you don't have the right words to say, that we can just be there and extend that compassion for them. We can help somebody wait. And the last thing, is invite Jesus to draw near. Invite Jesus to draw near. Again, that Martin Luther quote where he says, we get to go to God with God. These aren't things that God doesn't already know that we're feeling. And so often, instead of kind of hiding or running from God or building up those walls, we're like, God, you can have a lot of who I am, but you can't have like these emotions. You can't really know who I am. He already knows one of the best things you could ever do for your faith, for your relationship with Jesus, is just to go to God as you are and not feel like you got to put on a cover, put on a mask, whatever it looks like. Just go to God with God. And so what I want to do, what I thought, to be honest, would be the best way for us to end this is Jonathan's going to come back out here. Um, he's going to play some music. Um, and I don't know, at least for me, so often in my life, I would have heard this message and then I would have just instantly went on to the next thing I'm doing and instantly forgot everything that I said, which is all right. Um, but what I want us to do is I kind of want to help you guys just have this moment where you guys can just process and just kind of feel how you're feeling right here, right now, where you can just be real with God, to be honest with God um, kind of like we've been talking about with these psalm labs. This is almost like a little mini taste of kind of what it could be like for you. And so what we're going to do is I'm just going to read out just different passages that we just read through of Psalm 142. We'll kind of walk through it again. And then after each section, I'll kind of just pause 
I'll give you like 20 seconds where you can just sit there and either you can just think and pray to God. You can just feel how you feel about it. I'll even give you a couple prompts that you can use if you want to use it that way. Um, but I just want us to kind of just slow down, take a moment, just experience God and the emotions that we're feeling and worship him in that way and how we can use these Psalms to help us pray out to God when maybe we don't even know how we're feeling. Maybe we don't even know the words to say that these Psalms could help us draw closer than ever before to God. So everyone, let's take a deep breath in and exhale. Let me read this first one, first part for us. I cry out loud for help from the Lord. I beg out loud for mercy from the Lord. I pour out my concerns before God. I announce my distress to him. So take a moment. Where in your life do you need God right now? My spirit is weak inside of me. You still know my way, but they have hidden a trap in the path that I'm taking. Look right beside me. See, no one pays attention to me. There's no escape for me. No one cares about my life. Take a moment, honor God for who he is, that no matter what your need is, he is with you in it. I cry to you, Lord, for help. You are my refuge. I say you are all I have in the land of the living. Think about some imagery, some things that give you shelter, whether from a storm, from the, the things of life. How do those things describe God? How do those things help us understand God better? Pay close attention to my shouting because I've been brought down so low. Deliver me from my oppressors because they're stronger than me. Those things you thought about that you need God in, ask for his help. Ask for God to show up in the different areas of your life that you need him right now.
up that last verse. Get me out of this prison so I can give thanks to your name. Then the righteous will gather all around me because of your good deeds. Take a moment and just thank God for all the ways that he has shown up in the past and he has blessed you in the past. pray for us. Father, thank you so much for just being a God that loves us as we are. That you aren't a God that we have to cover up. We don't have to put on a fake face, a mask. We don't have to do anything before we meet you. Help us to just be people instead of building up walls between us and you, to be people who are taking those walls down, just coming to meeting you with the emotions that we're feeling, whether that's happiness, sadness, joy, anger. Help us just meet you where we are at. And that when we do that, Father, we're not alone. You are with us in those moments. We are worshiping you when we feel those emotions. Thank you for being a God that we don't have to hide from, that you love us and accept us as we are. You're so good. You're so amazing. In your name we pray. Amen.